Alright everybody, welcome to episode 20 of NPC Talk. My name is Inkernaut, and today is, oh my gosh, today is August 25th, 2015. And today I am here with three recurring guests, our, uh, our clan tag we are still working on, although right now it is unofficially, no it is unofficially, no officially unofficially butt crack because it is me. Roger. Hello, Roger. Oh, hey. Hello. Anthony. Hello. And Kevin. Hello. Yes, that spells crack without the second C. Um, okay, so. Um, <laughs> All right. On, on NPC Talk News, I don't think I've told you guys as the viewers, but for those of you who don't know, I now that we're live, I'm trying to upload my episodes um a little more regularly so every tuesday is when you guys will get the next episode so that's pretty cool uh keeps keeps things going um also i am going to for you melee fans out there i am going to the foundry tomorrow there's a foundry tournament going on right now that i'm not at because i had plans that that got canceled and so i am podcasting instead which is awesome um, but tomorrow there's supposed to be some sort of like somewhat exciting announcement. I have no idea what they're talking about. Could be like a melee um, sponsorship or something. But we'll see. I'll let you guys know next week or something. But for tonight, we're talking about one of the... Usually I say greatest, but it is almost the opposite of greatest. One of the most interesting games that we played as a group together called Tiny Brains, developed by Spearhead Games and released on December 7th, 2013. And, um, and so, okay, Anthony, kick us off. What the heck is Tiny Brains and why did we get it to play together? Um, I'm not sure whose idea it was. It, it was but... to- wasn't it your idea? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not sure whose idea it was, <laughs> but it's a four-player co-op puzzle game where you are each a pretty much a mouse with like superpowers Mm -hmm. i wouldn't even say it's superpowers it's just kind of like with powers and you kind of go around and solve puzzles one at a time the game itself is pretty short i want to say we probably beat it in like two or three hours um but yeah it's a four-player co-op puzzle game Probably one of the only four-player co-op puzzle games I would imagine. I don't know of very many other ones. Yeah, it's it's pretty rare. And so um, we we as a group like to play games together. Um, I think Anthony particularly likes the co-op kind of games. Because, you know, I mean, PvP is fun. But, you know, it's also fun to get together and solve puzzles and stuff. Boy, I like PvP too. I like winning. He also Anthony likes PvP too because he likes winning. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, yeah. So we we played this game. The um, and we also played Forced, which is another PV, uh, sorry, four player co op. Uh, they played Forced. I was busy at the time. Um, but uh, yeah. So your four mice. I, and so you're, the setting is that you're in a lab and there's like a, kind of like a, a mouse experimenter. 
and a uh yeah and so it it kind of feels like portal setting wise like purely setting wise it kind of felt like portal just because you're in a lab and you're doing a lot of like, a lot of the puzzles are like tests right like in portal one you're you're like testing things and then um the the story is sort of like portal but kind of not really um anyway so yeah so each mouse is given a power uh one can pull towards you one pushes one creates a block and then when you uh dissolve the block it like kind of geysers you upwards it's like an ice block that shoots like an ice geyser when you dissolve it and uh and one can swap positions with the with like an object or another person no not another person just an object and uh okay so before we get into too much detail i want to ask each of you guys what do you think of the game overall uh roger um no comment (laughs) okay sorry uh the game was not very I, i didn't like it um, it was like kind of glitchy. Like I didn't really know what was going on half the time. Um, and like the puzzles weren't that. I don't know. Like like the more difficult puzzles. Like we sort of we sort of just glitched through it. So that it's kind of like uh, what just happened, you know. Um. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that yeah, I would give it like a one star. One out of five stars. Oh. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> uh, Anthony, what are your thoughts? Um, I thought the game had potential. I think the first time we played... Actually, the whole time we played, it was pretty fun. Like, it, in a fun meter scale, from, like, 1 to 10, it was probably, like, a 8 out of 10 fun. Hmm. But, like, in terms of, like, gameplay and mechanics and how polished the game is, it was pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> This is one of those episodes where we're like, why are we doing a podcast on this game? But um, if you're able to just overlook the poor design... Oh, I don't even know if the design was bad. I think it was just the execution. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pretty fun, though. Like We had a lot of random, like, trolly fun times while playing the game. So, I mean, it's an experience. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't play it by yourself. I would not recommend playing this game by yourself. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't even know how that that's going to work. So, um, yeah. And uh, Kevin? Uh, 10 out of 10. Of <laughs> 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 um, Greatest of all time? Yeah. <laughs> well, you did play it twice. <laughs> well, the only game that might be better is uh, Super Mario 64. <laughs> oh, oh man. Okay, okay. Before we move on about tiny brains, on semi NPC talk news, uh, two weekends ago, I made Kevin play Super Mario sixty four, um, for for your for your first time, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, and um, and so, it, Super Mario sixty four is my third favorite game of all time. So I was like hyping it up. I was like, man, Kevin, you are about to experience the game of a lifetime and some of the greatest movement options in the world. And then like Kevin did experience a game of a lifetime. was uh, very confused throughout the game. Um, Why were the signs 
so hard to read. <laughs> why? Why were you reading all the signs? <laughs> because they were there. <laughs> what else are you gonna do? Um. Yeah. So. So we have an ongoing joke about uh, t- tiny brains, because uh, part of the glitchiness was that. Uh, so we played the game together. Like I, I don't think, as far as I know, we did not play the game individually, and I will oh, not. No, future Kevin. <laughs> I, I will not uh, blame anyone if they have. But as far as I know, we all played it together, and so there's a single collectible uh, item throughout the whole game, which are cheese, and you know it's like just trophy items. Yeah, it's like a trophy. Like you just collect them to have them. To get like the hundred percent, and so we're all playing the game together, and we all get eleven cheese together, and we ask Kevin, um, you know how many how many cheese do you have, and, and he has twelve. <laughs> and I don't I don't know how. <laughs> I think I don't that... know how you guys have eleven. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm pretty convinced he played by himself. <laughs> Me too. We um, so <laughs> as we. As we're playing this game and we're kind of like, um, kind of uh, like laughing at you know that some of the execution errors of the game that we'll get into, um, we're like, like oh man, like this must be Kevin's favorite game because he's playing playing so much of it without without the rest of us. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, I would. For me, I would say Tiny Brains. Okay. Tiny Brains is like the epitome of uh, game development. Game development where uh, where the developers had like uh, a really big vision, and you can tell that they had like a lot of really great ideas. Um, but they just, I think they thought too big, and then all like the basics and the groundwork of creating and actually executing the game kind of fell apart on itself. Because they didn't, because they didn't take like the small steps required to reach that level of grandeur. Um, but the game, I mean, in theory, the game itself wasn't bad. It's just uh, everything else was, and so, and so um, yeah, um, yeah. Kevin, do I you would want... like to interrupt uh-huh. and say that? According to Steam, Roger has played three hours, while the rest of us have played 2.5 hours. <laughs> Roger! <laughs> Roger! <laughs> what, what Roger, it? you played more and you didn't get enough cheese? Uh, <laughs> it's a very difficult game. <laughs> what is this tomfoolery? Uh, no comment. <laughs> I don't even know how you play the single player, because we all had um, four mice. Like, Do you switch between uh, mice at all? Yeah, there's a switch button. Oh, that's... how do you like coordinate things? Though? I don't know, but the re- one of the reviews say very poor single player mechanic. <laughs> so uh, yeah, um, Roger, what are the graphics like with this game? Um, the graphics is very cutesy. It's going for like the cutesy art style, you know, like a typical Saturday morning cartoon. Mm. Um. Like all the mice are like very colorful. They each have their different colors, um, like green, purple, orange, blue. Um, and then, yeah, That's, yeah. Yeah, it it reminded me of like, 
maybe like an N64 kind of like 3D <laughs> style. Wow. It was 3D, but it was... Um, I think if the game came out like five years ago on N64, it would have been a pretty good game. Yeah. Maybe not five years ago, maybe like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I, as my friends know, on um, but I like to watch Day9 a lot on YouTube. And Day9 talks a lot about game design and... Uh, like, you know, game creation and stuff, and he talks a lot about, and I mentioned this before, but he talks a lot about the feel of the game and how it's really important, like, if you're going to make a game with a really big idea, like, say, uh, I'm just going to use Super Mario 64, um, and say, like, you know, I want to create a hero that, like, goes into Peach's castle and does all these really cool things and explores the entire castle. Read signs. Um, yeah, and read, <laughs> read signs. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, they... Um, instead of, instead of thinking, like, all the way ahead and just start coding, you know, like, you know, like, I'm gonna code, like, all these bad guys and all these puzzles and all these levels, like, uh, Day9 says, you know, start at the core, and, which would be, you know, start with your character and how he moves, and so it's important to get the basics down, you know, does Mario feel good when he's running, does he, does he react when he's jumping, does the jumping feel, you know, realistic, does it feel fun? It's one of those things. And then uh, Tiny Brains, I feel like, kind of uh, skipped over a lot of that. The The jumping felt very, um, like, what's it called? Uh, unresponsive. Um, a lot of the powers didn't feel accurate. Um, there would sometimes be, like, a, a line to show, like, where, where you're supposed to, like, switch or pull and stuff. And it, it just kind of pulls the object anyways even if the line's not on it or sometimes the opposite and so i don't know the the inconsistency and like the inaccuracy like really just brought this game down from what could have been like a really fun co-op experience i think it was still a really fun co-op experience i think the game just wasn't polished yeah true that's true that's true i mean i I think it was a lot of the fun was because it was because of the like glitches (laughs) That's true. Like, too. Sometimes, like uh, we go to like a puzzle and we just spawn on the right side. <laughs> we finish the puzzle. <laughs> or sometimes you go to a puzzle and something just randomly happens and you're done with the puzzle. <laughs> and I'm like, I have no idea what happened. There, were, yeah, there's a lot of interesting lag issues. I I remember there was a puzzle where you're supposed to grab um whatever the object is, like the ball that acts as a key, and <laughs> a cube. Yeah, the cube, and there was a gate that was clearly in the way, but uh, somehow whoever the puller was just pulled it right through the gate, and we're <laughs> like, uh, I don't know how we got this, but <laughs> we finished it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so also, the going on, going off of, um, I guess, some like the accuracies of the game and stuff, uh, they, they thought through the game really well because the the story wasn't bad either and i i like to parallel the story with portal a lot because it was very similar and uh okay so spoilers on portal and on this game uh i don't really care about the spoilers for this game because it's really you're really not missing out on much but for portal it's kind of big so uh go play portal and then come back it's also a short game but anyways so it's like you're you're both in a lab and you're both doing puzzles 
and then there is a oh we can just talk about tiny brains there's a there is there's a twist in the middle of the game and um who you thought was the good guy which is this pink mouse turns out to be the the bad kevin can you can you go through the story because it seems like because since it's the gtoi for your game i think you understand it the most um the story is you're a bunch of mutant re- uh, mice and you're basically trying to do these tests that the scientist is making you do yeah and then there's a pink chicken oh it's a chicken that, that's right <laughs> that releases you get wait they, re- they, re- they release it. So, something like that. <laughs> and, uh. What happened? And then. Um, somehow the chicken became a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somehow that happened. And then. And then the scientist gets shrunk. And then. Yeah, that's, that's the story. <laughs> so, <laughs> another year. So, uh. There's another ongoing joke with Tiny Brains because um, somehow Kevin heard dialogue about the game that the rest of us didn't because the game glitched oh, yeah. out. And so um, and so Kevin, like a minute before the twist actually happened, Kevin was like, oh my gosh, the chicken's the bad guy. And we just start... Uh, we just start oh, like, the what? twist happened early. You guys just didn't no, 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 no. Dude... There wasn't like any like dialogue or anything. I was like, like, "What?" <laughs> it wasn't. <laughs> but we were, we were just like, uh, "Like Kevin, what are you what are you talking about? Like the chicken's not the bad guy. Like the the scientist is the bad guy." And then like a minute later, like the whole twist happens, and we're like, "Kevin, why did you play through this game without us? Because you knew the twist before it happened." <laughs> the freaking spoilers, dude. <laughs> Oh, tiny brain. Yeah. Um, in terms of the uh, gameplay, though, uh, going back to the gameplay, uh, the puzzles themselves were uh, pretty neat. Uh, most of them were, you know, somehow get uh, the cube into, like, the cube grate, or, no, the cube platform, and it would be, like, stuck, like, in cages or, like, in, uh, like, really high up. And so you'd have to, like, press buttons. Like, one mouse would have to press a button, and, like, the other ones would have to, like, work together. Uh, honestly, yeah, the puzzles were pretty neat. Um, there was also one where, like, you have the ball, right? And then you have to, mm-hmm. you have to take it through, like, a, like a labyrinth-style maze. And, like, the weight... Um, oh, the, the... The platforms are, like, tilted and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, rolling around. Yeah, and you have to, like, pull it, push it, swap with it, and, like, use the block to, like, stop it from falling off and then bring it to the other side. It was actually uh, quite challenging, but a lot of it might have just been because it was hard to control. And the uh, lag. Yeah. <laughs> the lag. It require, like, it honestly did require teamwork, right? Like It did, yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard for, like, one person to do it by themselves. I would imagine it'd be hard for one person to do it by themselves. Um it's definitely they definitely got that aspect of the game right where it's like a teamwork inspired co-op. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where one person like you can't just mastermind the game. One person can't mastermind the whole game. I think it could have been executed better if it was cleaner, like without glitches, better controls, and if there was a death mechanic. Cuz a lot of times like you finish the puzzle and then one person is trapped or like you know, it's like, "Oh, I guess we'll just leave them and keep going." And then you die and respawn, right? Like there's no 
death mechanic, really, because there's no punishment for death. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah, there's, there were a lot of glitches where um, where you can you can ditch... Actually, I don't fully understand what happens, but you can, like, leave other mice behind, and then they'll just, like, warp, like, way far ahead or something. And it's like, um, okay, like, I, don't, I don't know where I was. But, um, yeah, there, there weren't any mechanics where it was like, oh, if one mouse dies, then, you know, you lose or you have to finish the puzzle with, the, with like, the remaining three. The whole three. team. Yeah. yeah. It was just like, uh, one mouse dies and then he just, like, comes back. So. Yeah. I think the reason for that is probably because this game was sort of targeted towards kids as well. Mm-hmm. So they're, like, not happy, like, a really big punish. Mm. What did make it seem like for the kids to be like, oh, this game is way too hard, I give up, you know? Mm. I don't know. That's it's true. Just, it, it had a very uh, kitty environment. Yeah, like, I think the target the target audience is the reason for that. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I don't know. It It's very easy for me to hate on this game because there's, like so many glitches and so many problems with it but like as uh a developer and like an aspiring game developer especially like i can't um hate on them too much although i did hate on them a lot while playing the game because it was hilarious but i mean like it's so easy to um it it really like playing this game really like gave the perspective of how hard it is to make you know those triple a like glitchless um like uh, what's it called like robust code because it's so easy to kind of just um make you know like make a function and then it works it works perfectly in 99% of the situations but then there's this one situation and it maybe like it just happens to reoccur a lot in tiny brains and then all of a sudden you know everything's screwed up like there's uh lag people <laughs> mice are disappearing like no one knows where the ball <laughs> is like things like that and it's like i don't know it's hard to it's hard to this game just really like reminded me like oh you know it's it's not easy to make a game and it's um and just having the idea is like just part of the um part of the game design process and a lot of it also is you know making sure that you have the fundamentals down so i don't know it it's to me it was like a great like um learning experience for uh, not necessarily like what this game did wrong, but also what it did right and how it could um, improve on what it did right through you know the other aspects of game design. And so, like I said, the story was good. The graphics weren't bad. Uh, the sound was um, actually don't remember <laughs> any sound. The game length remember, was pretty good too. I remember the scientist voice actor though. Oh. Uh, <laughs> There's that troll song at the end, remember? Oh god, that song was awful. <laughs> Intentionally. It was it was yeah, it was like um it was like the end of Plants vs. Zombies where like everyone starts singing. Um but with chipmunk voices. Like it was like really high squeaky singing voices. That was um that was something else. Yeah. Um, so I'm reading that the game was actually made for PlayStation and PlayStation 3 and 4, and it was probably ported to PC, which is why there's a lot of glitches, maybe. Hmm. But, um, 
Because I, I kind of can see how, like, if it's four players sitting in front of a screen, you won't have, like, lag issues, maybe less control issues, and less, like, teleporting issues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just, like, a port gone terribly wrong. I don't know. I don't know. We didn't play it on PlayStation, so hard to tell. But even mm-hmm. the PlayStation one doesn't have great reviews, so. Yeah. Uh Kevin, I, I actually don't remember the scientist's voice. Would you, would you like to uh, reenact it for us? <laughs> uh, I don't remember it exactly either, but I just remember it was very hard to listen to. Oh, yeah. With, like, had... a very thick accent. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, he had, like, a... Ooh, I don't so... even know what accent it was. I'm so bad at German? Yeah, I think it's German or something, like, heavy European, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely a heavy European accent. Like, uh... Like, one of those, like, crazed scientist a- accents. But, yeah, uh, Roger, did you have anything to add? Um, no comment. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I just, I don't know, th- this was, like, a, a strange game to do a cast with, a podcast with, because generally, you know, you, we're, we do games that are, like, you know, Mass Effect four times, or, <laughs> or like, uh, Chrono Trigger, like, these really awesome games, and then... I kind of yeah these like awesome AAA titles and I kind of wanted to do a game where it wasn't like a perfect game but it was you know a game that had a lot of potential and you know what what you can learn about it and you know as a gamer you know what you can what you can yeah like learn and see from games that that you may necessarily not like but then it doesn't I don't know I feel like just being a being a gamer part of the process is learning like you know what makes a game good and how can it improve and how can you like i don't know learn to adapt and appreciate uh different games for what they are and so this game was like a great example of that so does anyone else (laughs) (laughs) i agree i think in terms of length it was a good length given, like, the mechanics of the game. Um, it's also, I feel like, nowadays, people have higher expectations of what to expect from a game. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they have to be very well polished. They have to be, like, very clean. No glitches. Um, no lag. None of that. But, like, back in the day, like, for example, when we were playing N64, like, two weeks ago, Super Mario 64, which was, like, game of the year, like, legit game of the year back then, they had so many glitches, <laughs> so, like so many controller issues, so many like you know different aspects that kind of mirrors what Tiny Brains is dealing with. But for some reason back then it was okay, but now our expectations are so high that like you know one glitch it's like oh this game sucks, yeah, or you know oh you need to work on this a little bit more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it I mean it it also speaks a lot. Because we can still have fun with these kind of games, you know? Like, even though it was glitchy and, like, the mechanics were a little bit uh, stale, I think it would have been cool if they introduced new powers throughout the game or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was still pretty fun, like, in general. Like, we had a good laugh. But mm-hmm. I can't tell if that's the game itself or it was just our group, like, making the most of a okay game. <laughs> yeah, um... Yeah, you brought up a lot of really good points. Um, for okay, in terms of glitches, I would say Super Mario sixty four 
and we'll we'll have a we'll probably have a cast on Super Mario sixty four or or my top three, which you guys all probably know by now. But um, I think part of the glitches makes Mario sixty four like an even better game. And I mean, no, it, it doesn't apply to Tiny Brains except for the humor factor. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, like the glitches for Mario sixty four, I think is um, and in in the same vein as Melee, it makes it a really cool game. But you bring up a really good point about like a lot of other n64 games were really glitchy were really like what the heck's going on but back then it was the standard was a lot lower right just having it in 3d was already like an incredible feat and then now tiny brains which is equally as good in 3d if not better and we're all kind of like oh this game's like you know the the graphics are mediocre and like the gameplay haha there's so many glitches um and times change yeah times change and it it really says a lot about uh indie developers today too like a lot of these games that are coming out on steam that are like these small indie games and are supposed to be like and when you play them you know they're a lot of them are like somewhat glitchless um you know a really solid experience and these are really small developer teams and not all of them you know, make a lot of money from their games, but all these games are held to like such a crazy standard. It's it's actually quite incredible, like what what's going on, like in the gaming world with all that. I remember when the credits were were rolling, um, Kevin was like, "Wow, there's so many people that worked on this game." Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I was thinking like maybe a ten man studio or something, but there was a ton of people in the credits list. It just kept going, going. And that song just kept going. And going. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was surprising too. I don't I don't know why. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't give you. Yeah, but Kevin's game of the year, guys. <laughs> um, in general, though, at the end of it all, I think if you had a four player, if you had four people that are looking to play a game, I think it could be worth your while because I think we still had a lot of fun playing it even though it was a little broken yeah yeah i think um and we got it on sale for uh pretty cheap and so i think it was two dollars a game when we got it i'm not exactly sure on that but i mean honestly honestly um like for the price that that it was which like some of these games that go on sale are so good and so cheap but um yeah, for the price we got it and for the experience we got, like, there are some games that I've bought, like, uh, like I won't mention any names, Broforce, that were great, <laughs> but were way too expensive for what it was worth. Um, this game, for the price we paid and for the experience I got was honestly really good. Like, I, like, 10 out of 10 would do again, except not 10 out of 10. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. Roger? Um, I actually had a thought like a, li- a little bit before when you were talking about the glitches. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it's too late right now. It's not too late. Uh, okay. Uh, I just wanted to say that like that glitches like in general, I don't think they're they're that bad. Mm. But sometimes glitches can help like push a game also. Like for example, like in Street Fighter 2, like the combos, like the, that was originally a glitch. Oh, but really? Like, yeah. 
But then, like, people are like, oh, like, look, like, he's a pit stud. I can do another move and hit him again, and he can't do anything. And then Capcom mm. saw this, and they, they capitalized on this, uh, quote, combo glitch thingy. Mm. And now, like, all the fighting games today are, like, you know, they all have this combo system from that. And then, like, similarly, like, you know, like, the Super Smash Brothers Melee, like, that had some glitches too, but, you know, it helps push the competitive scene forward. And stuff. So, I want, yeah, I, I just wanted to say that not all glitches are, like, that. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. game-breaking? Uh, yeah, game-breaking. I mean, but there's a, it's a difference between, like, glitches where you, like, you can uh, do to your advantage, right? So, like, combo glitches, like, it makes you better, right? It makes your player better. But, like, there's also glitches that are just, like, oh, my character is not going where I want it to go, and the ball is mm. teleporting everywhere, and those yeah. switches are generally not great. Gameplay? Yeah. yeah. Hmm, interesting. So there's, like, different types of glitches, I guess. Yeah. yeah I yeah, feel yeah. like Tiny Brains had more of the uh, <laughs> this isn't helping the gameplay. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that's a really neat concept. But yeah, I think, like I said, I think Mario 64... Um, I think the glitches make the game um, a lot better. And I'm like super biased right now because I'm totally watching the 2014 um, Summer Games Done Quick speedrun with uh, Siglemic. And oh my gosh, some of those uh, glitch, like kind of glitchy, but not really um, acrobatic stunts that they do. It was like crazy. I'm like, oh my gosh, the, the tech skill. But um, but yeah, that, that's not the case in Tiny Brains. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, uh, but yeah, Roger does bring up a good point is that um, if you have the fundamentals down, but there are like some glitchy things, like it's not always um, game breaking. Yeah, it's not always game breaking. It's not always a bad thing. And um, some of the greatest games of all time are due to, you know, these glitches or unforeseen changes to the game. And like, you know, Starcraft 1, there were a ton of like kind of glitchy and strange mechanics that people took advantage of to make the game better. Um, Melee, you know, Super Mario 64, like, they're, these are all titles where um, just, you know, taking advantage of the system and, like, some of the unforeseen... Um, uh, yeah, like, glitches, just, like, yeah, made the game better. And it it's a lot harder to see today because games are just patched so quickly and um, things that developers that weren't intended by the developers. They just want to, like, change it and say, you know, we wanted it this way, so we're going to keep it this way, because if it's not this way, then this game's going to be broken. And that wasn't always the case, but it's, like, the safer route. And it kind of... It's good in some ways, and it's bad in some ways. And it, um, for me, as a competitive gamer, when I see games like League of Legends, it's hard for the meta to develop a certain way, because there's constant balance changes to kind of follow, you know, Riot's ideal of how they want the game to be played. So un- unless someone finds something broken with a champ. But um, yeah, I don't know. It It's hard to say, but it's kind of how games are growing nowadays. Yep. Yeah, yeah I agree. <clears throat> so Roger, 10 for 10, play again? Uh, zero out of 10, would play again. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually a great way of describing Tiny Brains. <laughs> Zero <laughs> out of ten, but you would play it again. Yeah. 
Man, okay. Uh, oh, I just want to talk some more about like the the way games are being developed today and like the whole patch system. Uh, this is why, uh, and there's probably going to be a Blizzard episode, but oh well. Uh, this is why I feel like StarCraft 1 Brood War is like far superior to StarCraft 2 is because StarCraft 2 Blizzard was like, you know, patching all these things and not letting the game evolve. And that's like a lot of the problems with uh, with competitive games today, and why um, like the meta isn't doesn't develop the same way it used to. And, and to be fair, a lot of some of the super broken mechanics and stuff can be fixed, and the game meta is developed just in a different way. But I guess as an older gamer who like nostalgizes over um, the way meta developed back in the day, like it was. It was really exciting for to see, you know, pro players adapt to these strategies when they were forced to, right? It wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm just gonna wait for a patch, or I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna like, I don't know, uh, do the next OP thing. It was always like, you know, I have to adapt. I have to find a way to beat this, otherwise, I can't be the best. And um, and there's there's a balance to it, right? Like if in StarCraft One, like say if Terran Terran was like really really broken then and there's no way to beat um Terran then everyone would just play Terran and it'd be a stale meta and like that's not good but i mean people were you know developing like the uh i don't know brood war uh, terms very well but there was like a like a mutalisk flower or uh, no that was a viking flower in starcraft 2 but there was like you know mutalisk were like be able to like clump up and then mm-hmm. uh target things quicker and stuff and like just like these really small intricate strategies people you know developed on their own and there weren't patches to um to guide them right they they just had to come up with these really creative things and i felt like it was the player creativity that pushed the game and i don't know it it was kind of like the beauty of a developing meta on its like in its like natural form and um i don't know as an older gamer i miss that kind of stuff it's what makes melee great too (laughs) Yeah, I can see that. Um, I, there's something to say to let the game evolve on its own, right? Or let people find... Pretty much let people exhaust the game itself versus having it changed over time so that people keep uh, playing what's OP. It's kind of like, if you look at League of Legends now, like everyone just plays the OP champs yeah. because there's no time to figure out the counters to everyone, right? right. It's kind of like a... Oh, this guy got nerfed. This guy got buffed. I'm gonna play the OP champ right now, and not like specialize in certain champs or uh, have a counter to certain OP matches because you know, like two weeks later, the OP champs are gonna get nerfed, and there's gonna be a new OP champ. So you gotta play the new OP champs, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's no uh, the cycle continues like that versus like, oh, let's figure out let's dive deep into this game and figure out a way to counter because we have to yeah yeah and um a lot of like the meta is you know figuring out how to they're both about figuring out how to beat the system but when with constant patches you're thinking about how to beat kind of riots patching patching ideas like how to like kind of like sneak between the lines of riots patching versus like trying to beat like the common strategy that everyone has 
Well, it's not even trying to beat Riot. It's, it's kind of trying to figure out the best after what Riot's given you. Right, right, yeah. It's just, yeah, trying to figure out what's OP instead of trying to evolve Yeah, yeah, from the game. But anyway, back to Tiny Brains. It could definitely use a couple of patches. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the... the um. This rant has nothing to do with tiny tiny brains. That that game needs patches <laughs> and gameplay fixes and, and network fixes. Yeah, that game is not gonna evolve by itself over time. <laughs> Let's just say that much. Yeah. Um I would be interested in watching a tiny brain speed run. I feel like there's so many exploits to this. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if it's out there. We should uh <laughs> we should see. We, we probably we probably have the speed run. <laughs> Um, yeah, but uh, like either way, if a game gets patched too much, the game gets really stale, and then the meta stays the same. Uh, I think what's a game that's like that? I think StarCraft Two, like the meta. I mean, the meta like has a lot of variations and slight changes, but I think overall, the meta kind of stayed pretty similar over the years. Um, and the, in the other vein, in the in the other side of the spectrum, if there's no patches, but the game's like completely broken then the meta stays the same because everyone just does the same strategy. So it's a hard balance, but I mean, it. I don't know. It's ups and downs. I don't know. I mean, League patches all the time, but it keeps people interested. Yeah. Does that make sense? It's like a... It's like they're willing to trade that game evolution for people's interest in the game. People's continuous interest in the game, right? Yeah. But this shows that like they still care about the game and they still put work into the game. Mm-hmm. Versus, like, a lot of times you make a game and you leave it and you, you quote-unquote, let it evolve. But at the same time, if to players, sometimes it just feels like, oh, Blizzard's lost interest in StarCraft 1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it it's a lot of the... Re, there's a lot more repetitiveness without the patches, right? Like, Riot mm-hmm. changes so many things, like with Dragon or with items. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, without patches, you just don't get those mix-ups, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tiny Brain should use a couple patches to fix their abilities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Tiny Brains could also... I mean, it was a short game, so it didn't feel too um, stale with the same abilities. Like, I never felt like, oh, my ability's starting to get super stale because I only have the one ability. Like, in Gauntlet... Uh, it's just called Gauntlet, right? For Steam... That game, it, it got a little repetitive because your character never grew. It was just kind of like the same skill over and over. Well, we only played like three levels, too. <laughs> but, but right, right? We played about the same amount of time, but with Gauntlet, I was... I don't our... know. Did we play the same? I feel like we played less and we got bored faster. Yeah. Oh. I think we played like one hour only. Just like one day. I couldn't Kevin, handle it. What does your research tell us? Wait, what? What does your research tell us? Uh, for the time spent for Gauntlet. Oh. Uh, I played it for two hours. Oh. Did you, did both of you guys think it got stale? Yes. I think for me, for Gauntlet, it was more of a matter of the level design. Mm. Rather than, like, the skills. Because we didn't really, like, put too much effort into like into the shop and like upgrading and buying items and like, using the 
the scales from the item and whatnot. For me, it was just it was just a lovely design of it. Uh, yeah, I I thought that I the new skills were cool, but remember they required like the potion, like you could oh, yeah. you couldn't use it whenever you wanted. You like could you only use it like seriously like two times. See, yeah. that's the interesting thing though. Like comparing the two games, like Gauntlet is a lot more well polished. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's cleaner. I mean, okay, so it's everything that Tiny Brains is not, but <laughs> Tiny Brains was more fun. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um. Yeah, Roger. What? Why don't you go into like kind of the the level design differences and uh, uh, the other things that. Okay. Um, if I recall correctly, like Gauntlet was more like you go to like a room and then like one room has like a lot of enemies and then you kill the enemies and then you move on to the next room, sort of deal. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly. Yep. Yep. Um, and then Tiny Brains was more like. Each room has like a puzzle, and then you need to like solve the puzzle, move on to the next room, solve that puzzle, sort of thing. Um, am I missing anything else? So, so what made the level design of Gauntlet more stale, in that sense? Um, there wasn't really like any variations between each room, in my opinion. Mm. Um. I don't know, like, I feel like I'm not really giving, like, a gauntlet a fair assessment, because I only play, like, the first three levels or so, so my perspective might be biased. Like, maybe, like, later on in the end game, it might be better, but we, I don't really know. Uh, we played through about half the game, right? We did? I thought we only played, like, to, like, one-third of it. Or... No, we didn't, we barely scratched, we played three levels out of 12. Oh, really? Like yeah. I thought... yeah. Did I play without you guys? No, no, no. <laughs> you. You pulled the cabin? No, 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 no. No. Game of the year, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We we'll play we'll we'll play some more Oh, I, I really don't want to. I don't but, either. But we could we could try playing a little more Gauntlet and see if we can get a, a more fair assessment, but I feel like the answer is going to be it's the same. But I don't know. I could be wrong. I want to hear Kevin's thoughts. Go. It was very repetitive. <laughs> That's basically all I remember. Yeah, the I don't know the way Gauntlet is designed. Like you would you expect like level ups and new skills and new stats and stuff, but there wasn't any of that. There was gold that you can buy. Um, you can buy armor skins and like some skills, but those skills were more like items, like use. You need a potion to use them, and then they were kind of neat, but they weren't that special, I didn't think. So I feel like they were trying to bring back that old, like, arcade hack-and-slash kind of ordeal, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you can kind of see this game in an arcade machine with four players and, like, go through levels. I mean, that's what Gauntlet originally was, right? Like, an arcade uh, dungeon diving hack-and-slash very little mechanics kind of game. Yeah. But I feel like as a PC game, though, like... It's not, we're, it's not like, what's the word? It doesn't draw you in enough, right? Like, there's no interesting mechanic. Uh, you press one button the whole game. Um, you kill things, they respawn. You kill things, you kill the same things over and over again, right? Yeah, yeah. 
But I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's trying to go for that arcade feel, and maybe that arcade feel is a little bit outdated, or maybe it just doesn't work very well on PC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. If we get further in the game, I'll I'll come back to this in a future episode and let let the audience know if the game got any better. But you heard it here; it's not going to. And Ben is probably going to kill us, uh, blank from a previous episode because he didn't he play like twenty two hours of that game. Yeah, dude, that guy put like maybe fifty hours in. I don't know, some ridiculous amount of hours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, if you're on the fence about getting the game. And you have three other friends that would play with you. I would say just get it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is a it is a fun experience, and it's not like a huge investment either. So. Yeah, as much as we bash on it, I think we all had a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yeah. No. Just <laughs> <laughs> kidding. Kevin for sure had a lot of fun. He played it twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. So we're just going to have a little short cast today. Sorry for the uh, informalities or whatever, but, you know, it, it was a, I am, it, it was just a kind of a different, different spin on things. So, yeah, you're watching episode 20, or you're listening to episode 20 of NPC Talk. My name is Inkernot, here with Roger, Anthony, and Kevin. And, uh, yeah, for tonight, guys, we are out. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Bye.